What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Found Bites, a game review series. My name is Brian, and I'll be your host. If you don't know about us, we're all about testing out and finding small, high-quality video games. This is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find the gems that may be worth your precious resources. If you're interested in reaching out or helping out, feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe to us on whatever podcast feed you're using. And we're now on YouTube! So if you or someone you know prefers to listen to shows on YouTube, please recommend them Found Bites GRS on YouTube. But enough about the show. Let's get into our next game. Trek to Yomi is the game for this week's episode. Trek to Yomi is a side-scrolling action game, and I see a lot of similarities with games we've covered before, like Katana Zero and Nocturnal. A little bit of DNA from games like Hotline Miami, so kind of in that same vein. But I'm really seeing some deep cuts where I'm comparing this game to Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, and definitely taking some viewpoint or platforming notes from games like Nier and Nier Automata, and definitely a lot of Ghost of Tsushima. The game was originally released in May of 2022 on PC, PS4 and 5, Xbox One, Series X and S, and then finally in January of 2023, it came to Switch. The game was developed by Flying Wild Hog and Leonard Menchiari, or Menchiari. So the game specifically when you boot it up says that it's a game by Leonard Menchiari and Flying Wild Hog. So I don't know the separation there. I think Menchiari is more a movie director, so it's kind of like a collaboration. But anyway, Flying Wild Hog is a small team out of Warsaw, and they've made games in the Shadow Warrior series that you may have heard of. But Flying Wild Hog, I think fairly recently, was actually uh, bought by Embracer Group. The game was published by Devolver Digital, who has a knack for awesome smaller games, and we've covered a lot of these, like Inscription, Katana Zero, Gris, or Gree, however you say it, as well as the Hotline Miami games. This game had a bunch of physical releases, starting with uh, one from Special Reserve. Special Reserve Games, we've talked about before, they're a site that definitely does a lot of physical publishing, and so they published a PS5 version that had a couple different versions, actually. The single release, which is just the game in the box, the Reserve Edition, which I think comes in a special box, maybe like an art card or, or something like that. And then there's actually a bundle that has the game and like this really nice art book uh, that comes with it. And that was published in May of 2022. The game had a retail version branded the Deluxe Edition. So that was for PS4 and 5 and eventually came to Switch when the Switch released. And that was released in September of 2022. But that came with like the digital soundtrack uh, as well as an art card kind of in this special sleeve. And the game had a vinyl release of the soundtrack uh, and that came from I think a collaboration 
collaboration between Devolver and Laced Records, and that was released in October of 2022. And as far as I saw on Devolver's website, that is still available. The MSRP of the game originally digitally, it came out for $19.99, and then those special reserve editions, the single edition, just the box, was $35 US equivalent. Uh, the reserve edition was 50 and then the game plus the art book came out for 105 The deluxe edition, which is available pretty much anywhere, uh, retailers, like you can find that on Amazon, uh, that was released for 50 but I'm seeing it on sale on Amazon for maybe like 40 or even less. And then that vinyl soundtrack, that was uh, released for 35 Runtime of the game, so I'm seeing those that are going straight through finishing this game pretty linearly in about five to six hours. This is going to vary a lot for you, especially depending on what difficulty that you choose. If you're really struggling with this game, you might spend up to like 15, maybe even 20 hours playing this. Uh, so your experience is going to vary on your skill level as well as the difficulty level that you choose. This game does have a platinum trophy. It looks absolutely impossible. Uh, good luck with that if you're going to go with that. So me, I put in at this point about... 12 to 13 hours into the game there are six chapters and then like a chapter at the end where i think it's just like a boss fight i am right at the end i think i just finished the sixth chapter but for the first half of this game like for three chapters i played this on the hard mode and i absolutely got pummeled in this game and i was just repeating the same encounters like 10 times and so finally in about the fourth chapter i switched it down to normal and it does have trophy consequences which we'll talk about but since then i kind of had a bit of an easier time it's still definitely a challenging game but i've been playing it on my ps5 i am actually playing it on the portal streaming it from the console sometimes and that can be interesting i definitely like playing that in bed or in another room but that can sometimes have connection issues if your internet is not up to it and a lot of this combat is very acute you need to be aware of timing but in terms of getting the game i actually got this on playstation plus so i didn't pay for this uh, i think maybe a couple months back this was free on plus and in terms of recommendation i heard about this game because i think it was showed at like a showcase for the ps5 or maybe like a state of play or something like that um, and a couple of the guys on sacred symbols playstation podcast chris or colin they were definitely talking about this game at some point maybe after the showcase uh, but it kind of kept it fresh in my mind Let's talk some gameplay for Trek to Yomi. So first, let's get into how you're progressing through the game. So like I said, this game has technically six, seven chapters. So there's six major ones. And then I think the last one, which I'm about to go into, is just kind of like a short little thing. So you're going to progress through in chapters. And within those chapters, you have a couple different things that you're going to have going on. So a lot of what you're going to be doing are these 2D combat encounters. And it's kind of the, like in this locked 2D, like you can only go side to side. But then the game is going to vary a lot because when you're not in a combat encounter, you're kind of just traversing. And sometimes you're traversing like a straight 2D straight line. 
in, but then other times you're going to break out to like an open kind of 3D area and the camera will move a little bit to be almost like isometric and you'll be able to explore a little bit, maybe interact with certain things. But most of the time this game is linear. Just when you're open up into like these little traversals in 3D or exploration, you might be collecting things, you might be interacting with characters or things like that. And a lot of it is going to be separated by these save points. They're kind of acting like benchmarks, like you get to here and then it saves there and then you can kind of go on to the next encounter or and then scattered throughout these chapters are going to be sometimes cutscenes if you come across characters or battles but they're definitely going to end in cutscenes because these chapters are going to end in boss fights as well. So let's talk traversal for the game. So just your basic movement primarily through this game like I said it's going to be a 2D kind of side scroll and you can walk back and forth and you can hold a button to run and then you're going to find a lot of things that you can interact with. In terms of how you're progressing so it is 2D but but sometimes you will switch the axis that you're walking in. So a lot of times you'll be walking on the x-axis, you know, side to side, but then sometimes you'll get to a different point and then the camera will pan and you'll be going kind of in a z-axis, like you'll be going forward into the screen or back out of the screen. And it might seem jarring just to think about, but I think the game does a really good transition of that, especially when you go to like a 3D open area. So like I said, this is more for like exploration or if you're walking around interacting with other characters or maybe you're collecting things because there are different lore items to collect. There are upgrades to your character to collect as well as sometimes you'll have some light puzzling in kind of these 3D open areas. So the game is really interesting because there's this constant transition of what the view is. The camera's gonna quickly pan and it seems fairly seamless, I feel. Uh, as well as in regards to like the stick reset. Sometimes it might not quite click immediately, but so for example, like if you're scrolling to the side to the right with the joystick, and then all of a sudden it switches to another area where now it's like 3D, it's kind of seamless. Sometimes it might not be that you're going quite in the direction that you intended to once you switch to the 3D area, but for the most part, I think like it's pretty fine. You're definitely not gonna have an, a combat encounter where you're switching the camera and then you immediately have to like be ready so there's kind of like a pause moment where you can let go of the joystick just to kind of reset it. And then throughout the level, you'll have like this minimal platforming. It's not like you're jumping onto platforms, but just things that you'll be doing, like going up and down ladders, maybe climbing up and down like ledges or walls or something like that. And for the most part, that'll happen automatically. Just when you walk up to it, you won't have to like press a prompt or anything. They'll just automatically start walking. Sometimes you'll go up and down like a cliff or a ledge and it'll be one way, like you can't go back. There's only a couple times I remember that happening, but just be aware of that, that's a possibility. And then sometimes you might have to like push an obstruction out of the way or push something over to make a bridge or make something collapse or something like that. And in terms of the combat, so this is going to be the primary thing in this game that's going to give you the challenge, that's really going to be where you're spending a lot of your time. So let me stress, all of the combat is in 2D. Anytime you're working with enemies and combating, it's gonna be in 2D just this side-to-side, -side, very simple plane. And so let's talk some of the basics. So when you're in combat, you have a sword, and so your melee attack, you'll have a button for a light attack and a button for a heavy attack. Uh, you do have the button to run that you had before that you can hold, but when you're in combat, you can hit it to roll forwards or backwards, and there's a button to block, and there's also the timing to get a parry. And something else when you're in this 2D combat, you can press X, at least on PlayStation, to change which side you're looking at. And this is gonna be a factor because enemies are gonna attack you from the front and from the back. And you'll also eventually get a ranged attack and a, an array of different ranged weapons that you can use in combat, which is nice. 
And along the way, as you're exploring, as you're moving throughout the game and doing different battles, you're going to learn or collect different moves or combos that are going to help you in these battles. And some of these combos are going to be like consecutive buttons, like three light attacks in a row will be this combo, or like two light attacks and a heavy attack will be this. Sometimes it'll be press a button and a direction at the same time. So like if you move forward into an enemy and hit the light attack, you'll do more of a stabbing. If you hit down, you'll be swiping kind of at a downward angle up so on and so forth and then there'll be a lot more advanced combinations as you go on and some of these you'll learn just by battling some of these you'll learn by picking up an item that's kind of like lore based that'll tell you like use this technique but at least early on a lot of them are going to be ones that you're learning and then getting a sample of how to do it in like a battle that comes next and then you're going to learn a lot of parry combos and these are very very important and the timing is very important because this is going to save you in a lot of battles especially when you're struggling timing the block right away and immediately doing a certain attack or doing a certain movement is going to result in like a nice parry combo health and stamina are going to be some characteristics that your character has so in the bottom left corner you're going to see different squares that'll represent like your hearts and then you'll see like this wavy kind of line that represents your stamina and you can get hit obviously so enemies are going to hit you and you are going to run and you're going to swing your sword and all of these can kind of exhaust either health or stamina i don't think that doing a parry successfully actually costs stamina which is really nice but in terms of stamina in order to replenish it you have to kind of stand still but if you move while you're you know not swinging a sword it'll replenish but just at a slower rate you will get exhausted if you use too much stamina if you bring it all the way down and then your character will have to like huff and puff and sit there for a minute but i think you still can parry when you're huffing and puffing so there are kind of intricacies again parrying is going to be really good doing a parry combo like immediately parrying and hitting a light attack you're actually going to gain one health back so that's a way to kind of sustain a battle if you're really struggling or if you just want to maintain as much full health as possible being aware of how much health you have or how much health the enemy has taken away from you especially if it's a boss battle and recognizing oh i need to do a couple parries and get some health back anytime you hit a save point it's kind of like a checkpoint you're going to immediately replenish health and stamina also along the way as you're collecting you're going to be finding max upgrades so max health upgrade or max stamina upgrades you'll see like your stamina line really grow as you get more of these and Anytime you get a health one, you get an extra box. In terms of the enemies that you'll come across, so the way that battle is going to ensue is you'll be walking maybe in a 2D environment, and then when your character pulls out their sword, typically that means like enemies are on their way. What's really interesting and can be frustrating at times, but I think is still really innovative, is that your battles are going to be in the 2D plane, but the enemies are going to come from either side of that 2D plane, and they're going to come in and out of the plane. What you're going to see is like in the background or the foreground, you might see an enemy standing there, and all of a sudden when you get there and you pull out your sword, they might run towards you like in the Z axis, like either front or back, depending on where they are. And so when they do that, they can kind of come into the plane on either side of you. And so this is where swapping sides uh, is going to be a big deal because you might get surrounded on both sides by enemies. Now, what can be frustrating is that they will move in and out of the plane, especially if there are like four enemies, like they might rotate and take turns 
and when they're out of the plane, you can't hit them. So you might have to keep track of like, well, I hit that guy a bunch of times. Let me wait till he gets back in into the plane and then I can hit him once and he'll probably be dead. You're constantly managing like who's coming in and out and they're not total asses about it, but sometimes like you might hit them or get them on the ropes and then all of a sudden they kind of fade out into out of the plane and you're left just waiting for them to come back. But in terms of the encounters with this dynamic of being in and out of the plane, you're constantly going to be fighting multiple enemies. It's very rare that you're going to have an encounter where you just have one enemy, Uh, maybe in the later stages when you see more advanced ones, but you're going to have multiple enemies. Sometimes they're going to be spawn phases, like you'll get to an encounter and you might have a couple enemies there and then once you kill them all, more spawn in. A lot of times, especially early game, you're going to be locked onto a screen, like you won't be able to back up a certain amount. And so that's going to lock you into like how much space you have, which is important. In terms of the enemies you'll see, very beginning, you'll have some basic fighters. Eventually, you'll start seeing armored enemies. You'll see ones that shoot ranged weapons, and you have to kind of run at them and make sure they don't shoot you. Uh, You'll see a lot of different unique ones. There are some that eventually are like teleporters. Some are like very long range and have unique weapons. But what makes it interesting is all these different types are going to have specific strategies that are helpful in getting rid of them. So for example, once you start seeing more armored enemies like you'll see prompts coming up that say like you know more heavy stabbing combos are going to be more effective against these types of enemies so depending on how they fight what they have around them different strategies or different combos are going to have more or less efficacy depending on the context however you can always parry any enemy but what will be different is that the timing of how they attack is going to be different and how you time the parry strategies in general again i'm going to hammer it home parry combo for health you're gonna have to get that timing down i know it can be tough especially in the hard difficulty which eventually i couldn't take but that's going to be a major thing especially if it's a big encounter with multiple spawns keeping space is going to be a big thing space to maneuver back and forth like if you have enemies on both sides of you it's going to be important to like make sure to keep backing them up so that you have space and it could be for a variety of reasons it could be dodge out of the way of something or if you need to regenerate stamina like you might need some space before they come running at you you will get a nice move at some point instead of turning one way there's an attack where if you're facing to the right and you move the stick to the left and hit a light attack you can do like a three hit combo where you're switching sides and get a nice kind of like catching the enemy off guard because they think that your back is to them. So that's a move that I used a lot. It's interesting because it almost looks like when you're doing different attacks, like your character is in a different stance. And it's same with the enemies. Like when a heavy attack comes, like they'll put their sword up and kind of be ready to chop down. And I think that specific attacks open up to specific vulnerability. So for example, if someone's doing a heavy attack, if you do a stab it'll actually do, I think, more damage when they're like that because they're unprotected. So it's almost like a rock, paper, scissors type thing. It reminds me a lot of Neo and Sekiro, where it's like if you see this symbol or if you have a high or the enemy has their weapon low, like there's almost like a specific way to maybe expose a vulnerability. In terms of pacing and flow in this game, there's a lot of tutorials. Anytime you get a new move, especially in like the first few chapters, you're going to have a lot of practice with using it, maybe with a specific enemy or a specific weapon that an enemy has and how to deal with it. And so I feel like the game is very well paced in the beginning and you'll see these tutorial things. It's just like a box that pops up for the combo or when you should use it or what strategy works against this new enemy. Eventually in the game, it'll start to just kind of throw new things in and be more sandbox or be combinations or like upgraded versions of older enemies. 
And so I feel like it does a nice job like halfway through the game of like, okay, now you know the basics. Here's a new challenge. Like, let's see what you do. And eventually you'll get ranged weapons. Uh, I think there's three different ones that you will get and they're pretty spaced out. Like the first one is just like a throwable shuriken, but eventually you'll get like a bow and arrow and then like this cannon. I don't always use them. Sometimes I forget they're there. The one throwable is really quick, but the other two might take some time, but they definitely have their place. And I'm going to just keep hounding it. The biggest thing in this game is going to be parry timing and enemy management. Going to have encounters with a lot of enemies. Parrying can be tough to get, especially on harder difficulties. I don't know how much you want to bang your head against the wall but i don't know if hard difficulty is really for everyone especially when it comes to some of these big enemy encounters and trying to parry and as new enemies come in it's going to evolve the parry timings there's one enemy that is like the teleporter that i just cannot parry i don't know what it is but he's just too tough and another thing that you're going to come across is these save point decisions so anytime you come to a save point it's like the shrine that has a light on it and when you choose to interact with it it's like a one-shot deal like that is the time where you saved. And so you might come across some issues where you arrive at a save point and like there's a fork in the road and one of them might peel off into like a secret area that you might have to fight an enemy or get a collectible. But whenever you save there, that's where you're going to be respawned the next time that you die. And so I found that a couple times like I tried to explore a little bit if I had a good amount of health to see like which path is the right way and maybe I can clear out this special area or these enemies here because if you die it's going to come back to the point that you saved at so if you didn't kill those enemies before you saved you're going to have to do it again and again and again if you keep dying now i will say if you collect different lore things or upgrades that will save so you don't have to go back and get something some of the 3d areas where you're kind of exploring it's a bit wandering you might be talking to characters that you don't really need to but getting some exposition but there will be some light puzzling at times and in terms of accessibility difficulty i keep saying it i started this game on hard i got through about three and a half chapters and i just could not take it anymore it was just killing me i was banging my head against the wall it was taking me sometimes more than 15 tries on a single encounter not even a boss fight definitely be aware of that if you don't want to bang your head against the wall i'd play this game on normal still a really good challenge but it will affect trophies because there are some link to beating it on hard mode and if you start it on hard mode I tried to switch it down and it gave me this prompt that came up and said, you can't go back once you switch it down in difficulty mode. So just be aware of that. And the things that change in the difficulty modes, I think are just how much health damage the enemies do to you, as well as their aggression. Like I found that I, when I clicked it down to normal, like some of them are not as aggressive. They're kind of like waiting for me to act. I would say in terms of strategy, Pick like four or five combos that you're pretty familiar with and just kind of stick with them and master them. There are a lot of combos in this game and some that I just could not remember, but you can always look at them in the menu. And again, parrying timing and enemy management is really going to be the bread and butter of this game. talk about the vibe of Trek to Yomi. 
So let's start with the visuals, because this is going to be the thing that really hits you right from the start. It's got this widescreen view, it's cinematic, it's black and white. So this is right out of the famous samurai filmmaker Akira Kurosawa. So he was big in the samurai films. I haven't seen that many, but this is around mid to late 20th century. Just simple things, like even in the picture or like the frames, you'll see like these dots or the, the real kind of skipping on the screen, almost like it is like an old black and white samurai film and the loading screen in between screens kind of has like this Japanese writing that's very in your face kind of like this interlude like it's almost like somebody just stuck a card in front of the camera there's something that's so effective about this style I haven't seen a ton of these movies but you can tell like it's just so stylized in the black and white and sometimes where the camera cuts or the different camera angles which we'll talk about just minor effects that really just make this game so interesting and so stylized like I said when you're swapping between like a 2D going from side to side to like a different view where like now the camera is above or isometric and you know you're moving around in a 3D environment or maybe you're moving into the screen in a Z axis just the mood that gets introduced when you're quickly changing angles from 2D to 3D or from this angle to that angle. It's so utilitarian and has like a coldness to it, kind of like cut and dry, like, okay, now you're here, now you're here. I know that can be a little off-putting with how the enemies deal with the different planes, like the 2D, 3D. Other things that you'll see, like anytime that there's a specific interaction or an item that's sitting there, you'll have a nice glow that you can see it, like this dot will glow, telling you that it, you can interact with it, as well as the save points being super lit up. And that's very important because you're dealing with a black and white screen and whenever you can parry an enemy as they're attacking their sword kind of has a slight sheen or like a spark or like a gleam that you can see that is a nice visual tell but in terms of just the rendering there's something interesting going on sometimes I think it was struggling to render certain things like the environment wouldn't quite load or there was even some light popping of environments anytime you would swap onto a new screen but there's also something else that the game was doing that I think was very intentional and I picked up on it and I really appreciated it. Anytime you're in like a 3D uh, environment where you could kind of move back and forth, whenever you would come towards the screen, it would focus more on the environment in the foreground. And when you move back, it would blur it a little bit. And I don't know if that was a technical thing, but I feel like it was so intentional and stylized and I really appreciated it because it was kind of playing into how you know, the game is a 2D view. And when you're coming forth, like it's like, okay, now we're looking more at where your character is. And now when they move far away, we're focusing more on things far away because your character's focused there. And so I really appreciated that. I feel like that was such an active decision and it really showed through. In terms of audio, I think the music in this game is really good. There's a great ambiance, like when nothing's going on or when you're walking through like a quiet town that's been pillaged or whatever, you might hear some faint instruments or flutes or woodwinds. But then once a battle starts, you really get the full orchestration, like everything is on, things are happening. Happening. A lot of traditional Japanese things, like I said, flutes and whatnot, but that crescendo really popping up when things are getting more intense and you're hearing more strings and whatnot. And in terms of sound effects, definitely going to hear a lot of enemies talking, a lot of grunting. You'll hear the clang of the parry. And again, I've been playing on the PlayStation Portal, which is actually really loud. And some of the sound effects from whenever I died were like really horrific and like very real, like definitely a lot of realism there with the sounds. And then thematically with the setting, you know, we've talked about it being a curious Sawa samurai film obviously the visuals you get that but also the story is really interesting it reminds me so much of Hellblade the more that I played through it so Yomi is kind of like the Japanese land of the dead or where the dead go 
after they die. And so it's really interesting because you have to go there and it's almost like in Hellblade how, you know, you're traveling to meet Hela and you're kind of going on this journey and you're bringing your loved one or it's about your loved one. So definitely some similarities here. Your character, Hiroki, the setting is kind of in feudal Japan and there are invasions and things going on, like your village is overrun and then something happens and, you know, it's all about the connections or the characters that are important to him. So really interesting how this unfolds. Definitely don't want to spoil anything. But also some similarities with Ghosts of Tsushima. There's this idea where you have like a sensei and, you know, the village is overrun and you're there's a little bit of vengeance even. You have samurai, the idea of honor and protection, protecting people. But then also some supernatural things like some spirits and the land of the dead. And your character really goes through a lot of reflection, some regret, ideas of duty. And at one point in the game, there's even like a path choice. I don't know the implications, but there are three paths to choose from. I do like it. It is interesting, but in all honesty, I would have preferred uh, to be just told a path because I feel like that would be more of character development, and I would definitely take that in place of being able to choose a path because I, I really am interested in this character, but I would like to understand what path that they would take as opposed to what path I would take, but it is interesting when you take a path, like, they will comment on what they should have done, or and I feel like they're they're gonna say that uh, regardless so that is interesting there are other things that are going on like in the beginning of the game you are a boy and so there is a timeline jump around because eventually you will be the older version of that person and there'll be like some cutscenes or flashbacks or thinking about when people were younger and so i i really appreciate all of that and the different cutscenes and flashbacks that really kind of well round the story or the history of these characters uh, and getting a feel for who they are and what's going on in their lives. Let's wrap up the conversation about Trek to Yomi. It's a game that I'm about to finish. I'm right on the precipice. I would say if you're thinking about playing this game, mind the difficulty. Keep that in your mind. I feel like I am a skilled gamer, but I chose the hard difficulty and I felt like halfway through the game I was really banging my head. So just be aware of that. The encounters in this game are tough. Timing with parrying, that's all tough. So if you want to experience a good challenge but also really get into the story, I'd go with the normal difficulty. And again, as you go through the game, there's good move arsenal that you're going to get and different moves or combos that you can really have at and some different range weapons. So you can definitely vary your approach in some instances. I like that you can explore for upgrades and lore but it's definitely a linear game certainly be wary of the save point stress that I definitely went through like anytime I got to a save point I was like should I hit this now or should I wait I like the 2d 3d swap 
I feel like it's mostly seamless. I like that it's crisp at times. I like that it has a little character, a little mood to it. I think it's interesting that the enemies play around with it. It can be a little frustrating if they go out of your plane, but I still think it's something that's unique and interesting, uh, and I like how it plays visually. I think the presentation in this game is absolutely incredible. It's so effective in trying to get the feel of this game across. The widescreen cinema feel, the black and white, definitely channeling Kurosawa. And I like that there's that synergy with the music, with the camera cuts. It's like this game all has an attitude to it and it definitely shines through. In terms of value, I think $20 is actually really solid for this experience. If you ever see it on sale, I feel like it's going to be a really nice deal. I could see this for 15 being just a, a, a nice steal, but I really think the price point is important here. They know what they have in terms of challenge, but also in mood and character. I think that $20 is a perfect price for this game. I think it has a ton of entertainment value, challenging gameplay, and definitely emanates a lot of Hellblade, Ghost of Tsushima, Katana Zero, so games that we've talked about on here before, and so I highly recommend it. Alright, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you.